What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Mark Thompson, back for another exciting episode of the AVO Podcast. On this episode, I will be talking about the greatest quarterback in Philadelphia Eagles franchise history. I'm also going to be talking about my top five sports video games of all time and more. Stay tuned because you're listening to the AVO Podcast. As always, I want to let you know this episode is brought to you by GuruHouseSound.com. If you're looking for fresh, new, exciting talent in the Philadelphia area and you're looking to update your playlist, subscribe to GuruHouseSound.com. It's only $3.99 a month. Get yourself a copy of a physical magazine, something that you can actually hold in your hand, flip the pages, embrace the art. Go to GuruHouseSound.com to subscribe for your magazine today. You know how they always tell you you should give a person their flowers when they can still smell them? Well, that's exactly what I'm doing this episode. I'm paying homage to the greatest quarterback in Philadelphia Eagles franchise history. You guessed it. Number 5, Donovan McNabb. In the 1999 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles selected Donovan McNabb, number 2 overall from Syracuse University. Now, before I get into Donovan's pro career in the NFL... First off, he was a two-star athlete when he played in Syracuse. He played basketball, and he also played football. So not only was he getting buckets on the hardwood, he was also scoring touchdowns, running over cats on a gridiron. But listen, that 1999 first-round draft class, yo, it's pretty deep. There's a few Hall of Famers in there for sure. You got Donovan McNabb, Edron James, Ricky Williams, Torrey Holt, Champ Bailey, come on, Chris McAllister, Dante Culpepper, Javon Curse, Damian Woody, Antoine Woodfield. Yo, those are some ballers who came out in that first round in 1999. And I remember just using all those guys at different times in Madden. I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later when I talk about my uh, top five sports video games of all time. But, man, that was a pretty deep draft class, especially in the first round. And those are some big names. If you don't know the story, let me refresh you. So, coming in, Donovan, he already had it rough because the Philadelphia fans wanted Ricky Williams so bad because he was such a beast in college. Well, thank God we didn't get Ricky Williams because we all know how that turned out. Ricky Williams, excellent running back. He actually came back and revived his career. But my man went MIA like Dave Chappelle, and he was just gone smoking weed in the Amazon jungle. So I'm, I'm glad we actually went ahead and got Donovan McNabb because it actually paid off for us. He played 11 seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles. He played a total of 13 years, but 11 with the Eagles. He's a six-time pro bowler. And some numbers that definitely stand out for Donovan McNabb is as a starting quarterback with the Eagles, he was 92-49-1. So that winning percentage is out outrageous he also threw for 32,873 passing yards 216 touchdowns 100 interceptions he also ran for over 3,000 rushing yards with 28 touchdowns oh and one more thing I did want to mention about Donovan McNabb all right he had nine wins in the playoffs now the reason I bring that up is because not a lot of quarterbacks have more than nine wins in the playoffs. Donovan McNabb, especially paired alongside with Andy Reid, they're the reason why Philadelphia Eagles fans today are comfortable easily looking at the schedule and saying, or not even looking at the schedule, they can just easily say, oh yeah, we're going 10-6. and six. 
You know why? Because you knew when you had Donovan McNabb and you had Andy Reid, that combination, that you're going to get some winning football. All right, look, we all know it didn't produce a Super Bowl, but it doesn't matter. The Eagles were fighting every single year when those guys were out there on the field, especially Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb is, you know what he is, he's a prototypical black quarterback, but he does more, and he actually kind of fit the mold of that traditional quarterback that the NFL always tries to force black quarterbacks to play. I mean, he had great pocket presence, as you can see. Like I said, 216 touchdowns, 100 interceptions. So that shows you, oh, Donovan McNabb was able to make some decisions. Not to mention, he was able to use his legs wisely when he did get a chance to run for his career. He rushed over 3,000 yards with 28 touchdowns. So Donovan McNabb is one of the few black quarterbacks who was actually able to put it all together and I'd say kind of crumble, if that's the right word I want to use, crumble to the NFL system and how black quarterbacks should play. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Donovan McNabb, you knew what you were going to get from him. He wasn't going to turn over the ball a whole lot, but when, when Donovan McNabb was on that field, we always had a chance to win. And just to reiterate, he's the reason. He's the reason why it's easy for Eagles fans to just say, oh, yeah, we're going to six without even looking at the schedule because you always knew you had him behind your back and he was going to give you everything that he had. It just kind of frustrates me, though, because people just criticize and ridicule him over that Super Bowl. Like, I get it, man. He lost. Andy Reid was never good in the in the final two minutes anyway. So, I mean, it's not all on Donovan. Did, did he Earl in it? In the um, huddle, we don't really know what truly happened, but he got us there. We went to four straight NFC championships with Donovan McNabb. Like, come on. I don't understand why Philadelphia doesn't respect Donovan as much as he deserves. I mean, in my opinion, I feel like he should be a Hall of Famer, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more because there's a few guys in the Hall of Fame whose numbers are very similar to McNabb's, and they're in there. So Donovan definitely deserves to be in there. But I want to go back to that to the, the uh, wins list because, as I mentioned, there are only so few quarterbacks who have more than nine wins. So I'm going to name a few. Tom Brady, we know. he probably the greatest quarterback of all time. He has 30 wins in the playoffs. Joe Montana has 16 wins in the playoffs. Terry Bradshaw, 14 wins in the playoffs. John Elway, 14. Peyton Manning, 14. Brett Favre, 13. Big Ben Roethlisberger also has 13. Uh, Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman both have 11. Joe Flacco and Aaron Rodgers both have 10. Now, I'm not saying by any means that Joe Flacco is a, 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 a Hall of Famer, but he has 10 playoff wins, and he also has a Super Bowl under his belt. So, not saying that at all. But the numbers don't lie. It just frustrates me that now, in order to be successful, especially the NBA, that you have to have championship rings. And I feel like that has now spilled over more into the NFL. But it's like, nobody talks about Robert Ory. He got more championship rings than Michael Jordan. Like, nobody talks about Bill Russell that much. He got more championship rings than Michael Jordan. So, I mean, championships aren't everything. These guys are out there busting their ass, putting together a full body of work, and at least they get there. Sometimes it's just unfortunate. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Donovan McNabb lost to Tom Brady. Are you kidding? That's the greatest quarterback of all time. You can't be mad at that. 
Charles Barkley lost to Michael Jordan. Patrick Ewing lost to Michael Jordan. Karl Malone lost to Michael Jordan. It's bad timing. But, I mean, when when you're talking about these people that, that – these players that people are losing to, they're the greatest. So it, it's it's no big deal. It's it's if he if he lost to like I don't know uh, Tim Couch or somebody random I don't like come on then we're then we're like oh man like you blew it but he but Donovan McNabb lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl and Bill Belichick like come on so of course if there's any old head listening to this first thing they're gonna say is you don't know what you're talking about Randall Cunningham way better than Donovan McNabb oh Randall was this Randall was that. Yeah, no, I'm sure Randall was this and Randall was that. I remember seeing him as a young bull late in his career. But you know what? One thing I always say, men lie, women lie, the numbers don't. Randall Cunningham also played 11 seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles. And his record with the Eagles was 63-43-1. That don't sound like McNabb's numbers at all. Also, he threw for over 22,000 yards, 150 touchdowns, and 105 interceptions. Here's another thing. He was 3-6 and six in the playoffs. So you can already scratch Randall Cunningham off the list. One thing I've noticed about the generation that's before us, especially the ones that I consider the old heads, like they have a hard time accepting change and letting some things go. Like it's okay. Like listen, Randall Cunningham was that dude. But he also paved the way for Donovan McNabb. And Donovan McNabb surpassed it. You think Randall Cunningham's mad that Donovan McNabb surpassed him in all these statistical categories if he paved the way for him? Absolutely not. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Old heads have such a hard time letting go. That's why with this whole Last Dance documentary, now Michael Jordan is the big boss all over again. But like I said before, LeBron James is an overall better basketball player than Michael Jordan. But old heads don't want to hear that, man. Because he got six ranks. I get it. I get it. Jumping back to my man Donovan McNabb. So we all know the weapons that Donovan McNabb had to deal with. I mean, you know, just to name a few. Todd Pinkston, Freddie Mitchell, James Thrash. I mean, those weren't your Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers. But you know what happened when Donovan McNabb finally got a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver and a Hall of Fame in Terrell Owens? Donovan McNabb spaz. It was he had his best statistical season ever, like in history. That was his best career season. In 2004, he threw for 3,875 passing yards, 31 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He had a QBR of 104.7. They went to the Super Bowl. You gave McNabb a Pro Bowl, a Pro Bowl wide receiver, a Hall of Fame wide receiver, for one year, and look what happens. So only imagine if the Philadelphia Eagles put emphasis on wide, oh, I was about to say it, put emphasis on wide receiver, because something seems to never change. They barely put an emphasis on wide receiver these days, but I digress on that one. But you can see the result. Donovan McNabb, was, he was a full body of work. He had the big arm. He had the accuracy. He recognized defense. He's able to run like everything. Donovan McNabb is your true prototypical black quarterback who put it all together. He paved the way, of course. Like, he, he took it a step further. He made it happen for the Michael Vicks. He made it happen for the Russell Wilsons, the Lamar Jacksons, the Pat Mahomes, the Sean Watsons. Like, he made it popping. Cam Newton. Oh, 
And then I got to speak about Cam for a minute because, like, the fact that my man Cam does not have a job and he's a former MVP is disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And I just don't know what to say. I really don't know what to say. I mean, the fact that Andy Dalton gets cut, then, like, less than 48 hours, he's already signed. Cam Newton out here busting his ass doing his thing. But you know what? In my opinion, I feel like the perfect place for Cam Newton Somebody who's going to keep his ass in line. And, you know, it sucks that that always got to be like the, the narrative around black quarterbacks. Got to keep them in line, have them focused, this, that, and the third. But sometimes you need a little bit of guidance. And I will be honest. I think the perfect fit for him would be in Pittsburgh. I don't think Big Ben got a, enough left. They both say injured a lot. But, like, Cam... The reason he's in this situation is because he played through those injuries. Like, he didn't take the time to heal the way that he should have. So, I think that Big Ben does not have much left, and it's time to pass over to Donovan Mc... I'm, I'm tripping. It's time to pass over to Cam Newton. So, I think that would be the perfect place for Cam Newton to play, and that's in Pittsburgh. And But I got I, my reasoning is because of Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is respected around the league. Like, for real. He truly is respected around the league. So, I, I feel like the combination with Mike Tomlin and Cam Newton, that would be great. Speaking of Mike Tomlin, now, I just want to segue a little bit. I'm going to come back to Donovan McNabb, but I just want to bring this up for a moment because it's, it's weird. And, it, and it, it just doesn't make sense. So, the NFL, they have a Rooney rule, which was created by Dan Rooney, who was a part of the Steelers organization back in 2003. So basically, the Rooney rule means NFL teams are required to interview minorities for senior operations positions and head coaching opportunities. The reason I bring this up is because they're trying to make some adjustments to the Rooney rule so that African-Americans and minorities can have a better opportunity at becoming GMs, head coaches, and the NFL, etc. Because since the year 2000, only 17% of head coaches have been a minority. And that's disgusting. Especially in a league where the majority of the players are minorities. So I, I don't like that whatsoever in it. it 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 just it's it's America at the end of the day. I'm not gonna get all political, but it, it's just how America is operated. I mean, America has a problem seeing minorities in leadership roles. Like, it you can see it. You see it every day. Just something simple as a quarterback coming in, being drafted, and you're trying to change him to a wide receiver. Because if his athletic ability is is just asinine, that makes no sense. It's like, oh, you know what? We think that with your athleticism, you should go out, run, catch, jump, do all that stuff. But the, the truth is they don't think that you have the mental capacity to go out there and read defenses, understand playbooks, and lead teams to victory. That's why there's so much problems with the black quarterback in the NFL problems that wasn't the right choice of words it's more of a speculation that's why there's so much speculation when it comes to the black quarterback because of their athleticism and these people up top believe that they don't have the mental capacity to lead and operate an NFL offense so that's why I say at the end of the day it's an America problem because America feels the same way about minorities 
look at where we are today. But let me let me uh let me just uh, come on back in here to uh football. Stay in my lane here. But the um no the Rooney Rule. I mean, so the Rooney Rule it would help out in a sense getting more people of color in operation positions and head coaching. You know, it, also another thing that it does with this is that you have to interview at least two minorities from outside of your organization. So what was happening was teams were just promoting within. That's it. They were promoting within. They weren't looking elsewhere. They weren't giving people fair opportunities. So just to sum it up, if they're trying to now reward teams for hiring people of color, so you can go up in the in the draft a few picks, not the first round, but it's like second and third round, you can go up in the draft a few picks if you hire a person of color. And if you keep them for two years, you know, not firing them or anything like that, you can get more incentives. I mean, it's cute. I mean, it's cool that, you know, this is happening. But at the end of the day, in 2020, that this shit is still going on where you got to incentivize people for in teams for hiring a minority and a person of color. Like, come on, man. I, I, I it, Before I move on, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Guru House Magazine. Do you feel like your playlist is getting a little stale? Do you love local new music but don't have the time to find it yourself? Then dive headfirst into Guru House Magazine to stay up to date with the new talent in your area. Check out our playlist section and recommendations from our Guru House playlist. Flip to our video breakdown section to read our music videos that are keeping the art form alive. All this wonderful content in the physical magazine. Subscribe to Guru House Magazine for only $3.99. You heard it. $3.99 a month. I don't think they heard you. It's $3.99 a month. Go to GuruHouseSound.com slash magazine and hit that subscribe button. ASAP, what are you waiting for? So the numbers I've been giving you guys on Donovan McNabb, those are just his Philadelphia Eagles numbers. There's really no need for me to get into his numbers when he played for the Washington Redskins or the Minnesota Vikings because, I mean, he was at the end of his career. He's a little bit older and they don't really, you know, stand out like that. So, yeah, not going to talk about those. But there are a few guys in the Hall of Fame whose numbers are similar to Donovan McNabb, and I feel like he should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. There's no question about it. First, I'm going to start off with Kurt Warner. All right, their numbers are very, very similar. Kurt Warner, you know, greatest show on turf. St. Louis Rams, Arizona Cardinals. He is a Super Bowl champion. I'm going to start with that. He is a Super Bowl champion. All right, he's thrown for... 32,344 yards, 208 touchdowns, 128 interceptions. His playoff record is 9-4. All right, that's a pretty good resume. If you take away that Super Bowl win, their numbers are damn near identical, literally identical. You can do, you know, how they do on ESPN all the time, like guess who this player is. You take away that Super Bowl championship, Kurt Warner and Donovan McNabb are basically the same player. Um, another guy that I saw, which is like freaking crazy. I'm talking about Jim Kelly. I mean, his numbers are also very identical to Donovan McNabb's. I mean, 101 and 59 as record as he played with the Bills, 35, over 35,000 passing yards, 237 touchdowns, 175 interceptions. He was nine and eight in the playoffs, but he didn't win a Super Bowl. All right. If we're talking about winning Jim Kelly, technically shouldn't possibly be in the Hall of Fame, 
even though he went to the Super Bowl four times and lost, but it doesn't matter. I mean, those numbers are virtually the same. He didn't win a Super Bowl, no matter how many times he got there, he lost. He's in the Hall of Fame, though, so why can't Donovan McNabb be in the Hall of Fame? And then, look, yeah, I mean, I, I ain't trying to stomp on my brothers or nothing like that. Warren Moon, we know how fantastic he was, all right? If you don't know about Warren Moon, like I always say, do your research. Very dynamic quarterback back in the day. Um, he was 3-7 and seven in the playoffs. I'm just saying. These guys that I've mentioned, Kurt Warner, Jim Kelly, Warren Moon, they are all in the NFL Hall of Fame. The last guy that I want to mention, all right? Now, when I was first doing my research, I, I snapped. I snapped. Like, are you kidding me? This dude is an NFL Hall of Fame. But I did a little bit more research, and I, like, I came down. Like, I was cursing and whatnot, so I'm not going to do that now. But for me, it's, it's Joe Namath. Maybe, maybe I'm walking on, on thin ice by mentioning this, but I'm just being real. This is some things that stuck out to me. He was 62-63-4 for his career while he was playing for the Jets. Old heads really about to hate me. I love it. He, was, um, he threw over 27,000 passing yards, 173 touchdowns, 220 interceptions. What? What is that? 220 interceptions? How you throw more interceptions than you throw touchdowns? All right, five-time pro bowler, but all right, I guess this is where it's, you know, this is when I started, like, to calm down at first. Once I was, like, seeing those numbers, I'm like, oh, no, Donovan Dad easily should be in the Hall of Fame. But then I saw that he did. He was an uh, AFL champ in 1968. He uh, won the Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP and um, Super Bowl III. So, But, I mean, whatever. But at the time of his retirement, he had the most passing yards in a season, which ain't shit now. 4,007 yards, like everybody does that. But back then, that was a lot. All right. And then he also, at the time of his retirement, he set the record for the most attempts in a championship game, which is 49 attempts. That's pretty cool. But they don't be telling you the whole damn story. He threw 19 of 49 that championship game. Like, what? Come on, don't glorify a man for slinging it 49 times. But he was 19 of 49. Get out of my face with that. All right, moving on. Going to talk a little bit of hoops real quick. So NBA teams are expecting the league office will issue guidelines around June 1st that will allow franchises to start recalling players who have left their markets as a first step forward to ramp up to resume this year's season, sources told ESPN. How do I truly feel about that? The selfish person in me, I miss basketball. Like, I, I miss it with all my heart, man. I, like, through this quarantine, just driving around searching to find a hoop to put up shots have, has been like a journey. The one hoop that I was at, man, I was cool for a solid week. And then next thing you know, they done took them hoops down. So I was searching far and wide. How I feel about the NBA players actually get out there playing, it's just truly how I feel about, like, the country in general. Like, I just feel like... We can't really be making these major moves without truly having a vaccine for the COVID-19. Now, you know, if there are safety precautions, if they're testing these players every single day, like, I don't really know what the heck is going to happen. Like, I'm not sure if I truly want to see the NBA being played without fans. I mean, the fans are just, it's just important. And I'm sure the players don't want to play without fans either. Like, as I've mentioned in other shows, I still... I watch wrestling, and I'm a big wrestling fan, but without the fans, 
That shit sucks, man. I don't watch it anymore because I can't do it. Like, the fan reactions and that pop is what makes it more exciting. And then, like, especially when it comes to the wrestling, like, the guys, they'll give a they'll give a man, his opponent, the, a chop, and it just echoes through the silent audience. It's just, it's just not a good look. So, if the NBA is going to take these steps to resume the season, which I'm sure they will, Hopefully they will take the right precautions to make sure that the players are safe. And, you know, if there's any league that I trust, it's definitely going to be the N- N- NBA because pretty much once the NBA shut down, the world shut down. Like, like they not playing out there. Adam Silver not playing whatsoever. And then also, like, what's what's the approach? Like, are they going to actually play out the final 10 games or will they you know, jump into the playoffs, will it be a seven-game series, will it be a play-in tournament, like, nobody really knows what the heck is going to happen, I just pray that in due time when we can kind of, sort of, go back to normal, because I do miss my hoops, man, I I really miss them dearly. Before I get up out of here, I want to talk about my top five sports video games of all time, not your top five, not what you think should be top five, my top five, I don't care about what y'all think, so look, Alright, so I'm I'm a start. And me, whenever I do these top fives, I don't never really have orders because I be loving them all the same. Like they're they're all top, they're all number one in my eyes. So I'ma just start with Madden. Number one, Madden between 2002 and 2008. Yo. Oh my god. It was it was fantastic. First off, O2 had Dante Culpepper on there. 03 had Marshall Falk. 04, everybody knows who, who was on the cover of 04. Had Michael Vick on there. Ray Lewis was on 05. 06, my man, Donovan McNabb was on there. 07, Sean Alexander. 08, Vince Young. The um the reason why I kind of stopped at 08, because I guess this is the phase of my life when I was getting a little bit older and wasn't playing video games as often. So pretty much... I have not really played Madden that much after 08. I mean, I've tested them out. I've I've tried like 10, 13, 15, 19 was the most recent one I tested out, but it, the game to me now, it doesn't feel more it doesn't feel like a video game anymore. It's it's just like it's too realistic if that makes any sense. Like and then and they run weird too, and and they switched up the stuff on defense. Like when I when I used to play on them games back in the day, I would be on defense creating my whole play. Cause you know back then Michael Vick was in the league, so you always had to have your QB spy ready. Cause you're not gonna take off and run 40 yards on me. So I wasn't able to navigate the defense and do all the hot routes and stuff that I did on offense that I used to. So for me, for the first time, I was feeling like an old head, and I wasn't accepting change, so that's pretty much why I stopped playing Madden, but I would be on Madden for hours. I mean, I did every game mode. One of the things that I, I love to do, I do this in Madden, of course. I always take a sucky franchise, like, I don't know, Jacksonville Jaguars, and make them a powerhouse Super Bowl team. Like I I always love that journey of drafting the right players, uh, signing the best free agents you can, you know, getting your offensive line taken care of that way they can protect your quarterback. Like, I always enjoyed that franchise mode because it was exciting. I'm a segue a little bit, though, because I used to play NCAA football a lot, and 04 was probably, like, my favorite one, but the reason why I loved it so much is because when I would play the NCAA games, I would then transfer the rosters over to Madden. 
So it's like, all right, let me get this squad nice. Let me get these players nice, you know. I used to run with, like, Miami back then, um, USC, UCLA. Just name, like, a couple of, like, top teams I used to randomly run with. But, like, in the franchise mode, I would remember, like, those five-star recruits. And then when you add them to the draft class and then upload them on Madden, like, yo, it used to be crazy. I remember, like, putting Reggie Bush on one of the Maddens after I transferred him over from college unstoppable unstoppable um so yeah NCAA that was that was fun I don't know if that's really like a top five for me but you know I, I definitely transferred um and these are I'm talking about games that I spent countless hours on like oh my gosh another one NCAA March Madness I loved it that 04 they had Mellow on the cover that was one of my favorite ones 05 they had a Mecca Okafor I'm almost certain that 05 one, I used to run with St. Joe's. That's back when they had um, Jameer Nelson, Delonte West. I think they was like number one in the country that year. St. Joe's was tough. I used to run with them all the time. I know people used to run with UConn. They used to run with um, North Carolina. Of course, Duke. You know, everybody's going to run with Duke. All the big teams. Like, NCAA March Madness was fun. Like, there was just so many different teams that you could run with I miss those college games man I, I really do es- especially like I said man I, I I enjoy the journey I would you know go out scouting kids in, in the local area you know bring them in the school bringing all five-star recruits over and then transferring them over to live like I just love that entire franchise journey but out of all of the March Madnesses, it probably had to be the last one, which was it had Blake Griffin on the cover, 2010. Yo, I played that forever. Like, I would take Temple because, you know, Temple, eh, you know, they weren't really always fire. Like, they didn't reach that true pinnacle that I remember that St. Joe's did. Like, St. Joe's was number one in the country at one point. But no, I would take Temple and I would have them loaded, like all five-star recruits hooping for hours and hours. Like the animations on that game, like that was a fun game. Like it was still like a good cross of like realism, but also a video game feel. Now, a game that has zero realism whatsoever, one of my all-time favorites, NBA Street Volume 2. Yo, I used to be hooping like crazy on NBA Street Volume 2. I remember my squad. I used to run with AI, of course, Kobe, and then I would alternate between Shaq and Yao Ming because when anybody shot a three, you already know you can run up and just take it out the air with Shaq or Yao Ming. Like, you you can't do nothing. So whenever you approach Shaq or Yao Ming, you got to crack them first so they fall. By the time you're cracking them and they fall, one of your teammates are jumping in the air so you can throw an alley-oop. Next thing you know, you about to get that game breaker. The Yo... I'm never forget, man, I used to get my heart broken when you would be going up the ladder trying to unlock the players like bona fide and stretch. I was playing against Shaq. It was like the game winner. And when I tell you I shot my game breaker one, I should have did a game breaker two, but I shot my game breaker one trying to win that John. Shaq took that John out the air, yo. And from that point on, I'm like, yeah, Shaq's definitely running on my team. So NBA Street Volume 2 spent countless hours on that joint. And yo, the soundtrack on that joint was legendary. Like, think about how many songs we know to this day from the video games that we played. But no, easily NBA Street Volume 2. 
Uh, I got NBA Live on there. When I first really got into NBA Live, it was Live 08. I'm sorry, Live 1998. This was still on PS1. This is back when Tim Hardaway was on the cover. And Jordan was, like, not really on the game. So his name was Player. But we all knew who Player was. And Player used to snap. I remember all I would do is these, like, fadeaway jumpers. And he would never miss. Like, And it's it's not like how the animations look now. Like, literally, like... Back then, like, your guy would shoot the rise and you would hold back and his body would just go back and he'd fade and he'd never miss. Now, like, it looks all real. Like, I mean, it's cool that it looks real, but, like, yeah, no. NBA Live was fire. And that was 98. 05 NBA Live, my man Melo on the cover. Yo, hours on hours on hours on that, John. I think that was the one when they first introduced the dunk contest. I used to get people like Earl Boinkins. And still won a dunk contest because I just had it so down packed. They used to do the double between the legs or like the back flips, all that stuff. Like the dunk contest was fire. And then same thing, man, the franchise mode. I would I would transfer my dudes over from March Madness and bring them right on over. It, it, it used to be fire. And also 2006, the one with D-Wade on the cover, it just it just really just ramped up ramped up live for real for real like it really ramped up that live live man I, I wish man I don't I don't know what happened with live but I didn't really play a whole lot of 2k coming up it was it was all live I feel like we all played live I don't know where EA Sports missed out on that but you yeah, know um so I'm gonna jump into my honorable mentions now I got FIFA 2002 I used to be nice at FIFA. I used to run with Manchester United all day. Like, I still remember, like, they line up. Like, they had, like, Vinicius Roy, you know what I mean, Skulls, Giggs, like, Beckham. Yo, I used to run with Manchester United like crazy. It was like the Lakers. It was like hooping with the Lakers back then. So that was always fun. Arsenal, Argentina, Brazil. FIFA, that, that was a good game. Me and my homies, we spent countless hours on that joint just playing, 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 like, Another one that's on my honorable mention list is ESPN Basketball. This one, AI was on the cover of 2K like four years in a row, and it turned into ESPN Basketball. It was cool because this one, they first started like introducing like the, the my player type John, and like you can you can play on the streets, but like it wasn't quite the same. Like you could play one on one, like you wasn't like playing like full court or like how it is today with my player. But oh my god, no. Hold on, I'm already in my honorable mentions. I forgot about NBA 2K13. That is my favorite 2K of all time. Like, that John, bruh, I think I ain't stopped playing that John until maybe two years ago because it was just that damn good. Like, NBA 2K13, and then 2K12 was good when I had those Jordan challenges. That's when that's when you really learned that Jordan was a jack when every game you had to score like 69 points. But anyway, I digress. Uh, moving back to my honorable mentions. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. I mean, that's an extreme sport, so that's why I saw my honorable mention. So, yo, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, once again, countless hours, especially when you would put in the codes, and, like, they would have, like, perfect balance. They would get extra air. I remember running with Spider-Man. He would do this. He would do this. Um, He had, like, this special where he would, like, throw his board and then grab it back with the web, do like a backflip. It was crazy. And then um, I remember me and my homie, we would play. And with the perfect balance, you could get on, you can grind way after the two-minute stops. And next thing you know, like our score is like up in the millions. And we would be like on the same grind. And then like 
we would like run around each other and somebody would fall and lose all the points. That would be so trash. But no, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, definitely one of my favorites of all time. And I'm going to end it with this, ESPN 2K5, this is the football gym. That was with Terrell Owens on the cover. Like I played that joint a lot. That was a fun-ass game. Another cool thing that I had liked about that um, ESPN 2K5, the football joint, you could play in first person. So I remember like you could change your camera mode, and during kickoffs, you could be first person running it back. Like That, that was crazy. So those were some pretty awesome games. You know, I'm going to throw one in there off the top of my head. Smackdown, here comes the pain. That one, classic. I mean, it's sports entertainment, right? I played that, John, forever. Like, I, I I, wish they still made games that were fun that you can spend hours on. They're just too realistic now. Or, or maybe my attention span has changed because I'm older. I'm just not sure. But I spent countless hours on SmackDown. Here comes the pain. I was snapping with Brock Lesnar, Goldberg. Yo, Rey Mysterio had, like, the best moveset ever. The animations were fire, like... Oh my gosh, Like it, it, it's crazy. Video games are nowhere remotely close to what they used to be back then. Dang, I went on much longer than I expected. But look, as always, it's your boy Mark Thompson back for another exciting episode of the AVO Podcast. Listen, subscribe, my people, because I know y'all be listening. Make sure y'all subscribe. Check out some of my previous shows, my last one, Split Decision, talking about the Eagles draft. I mean, check out Who's the GOAT talking about Michael versus LeBron, and then also check out another one of my previous shows, my dedication to Kobe Bryant, Miss Bean, but I'll be back soon, like I said, subscribe, follow me on Twitter, underscore Mark S. Thompson, I'm out, stay safe, continue to wash your hands, wear the mask, peace.